As wicked behavior is on the increase and even being celebrated and encouraged, it would be easy for us to become discouraged and wonder what is going on. But it helps to realize the Bible said this would occur in the last days. Let's talk about it on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Are we living in the last days? That question is being tossed around quite a bit right now, and for good reason. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll open the scriptures and hear what it has to say about the last days and what to expect. We're told that wickedness will increase, good will be called evil, and evil called good, and there will be demonic doctrines. Sound familiar? Pastor Ed Taylor takes us to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and Daniel chapter 12 in part two of his message, more and more wickedness in the end. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 4 again. They're going to turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits, teachings that come from demons. The demonic world will always cause you to question the truthfulness of God. We have that in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. That is the tactic of the devil from the moment of temptation to question God. Because the moment you begin to question God in the wrong environment, question God in the wrong situation, surrounded by the wrong people, there'll always be a lie to substitute the truth. And you can't believe both. You can't believe the truth and a lie at the same time. There'll always be a lie to believe in replacement of the truth. And I think the latest one in our culture is this whole deconstruction nonsense. And it is. Listen to me. Trust me. Please, trust me. If you have real questions about the faith, none of us are afraid to answer real questions of the faith. And I'm not even afraid to say, you call on the radio, you send an email. I'm not even afraid to tell you, you know, that's a good question. I don't, that's a good question. I've never heard that one before. And, and begin to talk about even, are you, are, you, are you willing to have unanswered questions in your life? I mean, not just biblically, right? There's a lot in our life that's unanswered. Uh, we don't know. We don't know why we were born into this family. We don't know why we were in the foster care system. We don't know why. We don't know. We, I, even, you know, personally, in being adopted, I have no idea why my parents put me up for adoption. I'm glad they did, but I don't know. It's an unanswered question. And I could take that question and go, oh, I don't know, I'm not wanted. And they just left me on a fire station in a box and didn't want me. And, but, but I don't know, so why make it up? I don't know. And I'm just thankful that somebody adopted me. I love my parents. And then I'm thankful I got adopted again into the body of Christ. Adoption is a good thing. And if I have a question, I don't have the reason. I don't understand what was going on uh, with those that conceived me. But I'm grateful that I was adopted into a family and adopted into the family of God. There are positive answers to the questions in your life. Not just always negative. It's not just always negative. God has an answer for you. And it's a demonic thing to replace the truth of God's love for you with a lie. 
with a lie. It's amazing today to find so many people listening to demons and getting involved in the demonic realm. You know, even large segments of Christianity have this weird demonic theology. It's just weird. Growing spiritual warfare movement, teaching demons can possess Christians. And where did that come from? Demons cannot possess Christians. First John, if you've ever been taught that, I want you to memorize First John 4.4. 4. 1 John 4.4 4 says, You belong to God, dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. He who is in you, the New King James says, is greater than he who is in the world. There's also movements within, within Christianity that associate every bad thing with a demon and some demonic spirit. And, and you know, we do find the demonic world is very active, uh, very, very much involved in, in temptations and, and discouragements. And, and yeah, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil, very active. But where in the scriptures do we find demons associated with things like poverty? The demon of poverty or the demon of laziness. No, there's no demon of laziness. You're just lazy. And just confess it. And say, don't blame it on it. You know, if I wasn't possessed by the demon of lethargy, you know, laziness, then, then I wouldn't. No, no, laziness is a work of the flesh. And you can confess it and forsake it. There's freedom. A demonic, the, the demonic type of theology, or if you can call it theology, demonic teachings, like they, they lead to more bondage. Because when you have the truth of the scripture, God can deliver you. The thing is, is that most people don't want to be delivered from their flesh. <laughs> they like living in their flesh. There's no demon of baldness. I mean, how many of us would be dealing with that? But I remember hearing a guy casting out the demon of baldness. If, that was, if it was only that easy. We'd all be casting it out. Or at least most, some of us would. Like it's just silly. It's silly. We need to base our ministry and our theology on the truth. The word of God. The basics. The foundations of the truth. That the spirit of God speaks forth, not demons. And there's a distinction here. The Holy Spirit tells us this is going to happen. And the main motive will be demonic teachings. And demonic teachings are teachings that aren't, that replace the truth. And they are a lie that you're invited and I'm invited to believe. This departing from the faith, it has caused people question for a long time, departing from the faith. There are some that would say you can't depart from the faith. And I do believe personally and biblically uh, with a solid theology that a, a person that is saved has eternal life that you don't lose your salvation. It's not something you can just lose and find and lose and find and you're not born again, then unborn again and born again. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that. You are in safe and secure hands of Jesus Christ as a believer. But I do believe that people fake it a lot. And I do believe that people aren't examining themselves and there are parts of the church and parts of Christianity that they like and so they get involved kind of like in, in church as a social club. And they've never repented of their sins, but they learn the lingo. And they've never denied themselves to follow Jesus, but they say they do. And they have a whole new vocabulary and outward life, but inwardly they're corrupt. And I do believe there are people even in our own church fellowship that, that walk away and they leave the faith. They leave, you know, and even for a person that's that close, they're so close. 
If you hang out here for any, if you watch one study on YouTube, you see one of these studies on an app somewhere, somebody forwards you a link, you're so close. Why settle for the substitute? Saying you have faith, pretending you have faith, but living a life of deception. I believe that you can walk away from the fruitfulness of your salvation. We often refer to that as backsliding. I believe that at the last days, you can be tempted. And we're in a time right now where with technology, like it used to be forwarded emails in the day. Like you'd get a forwarded email with some weird theology, you could just delete it. But now you've you're got so much time on your hands, you're looking for other theology. And more and more of the questions, you know, I saw this guy on YouTube. Well, who is this guy? I don't know, he's on YouTube. Well, what about his character? What about, who is he? Uh, where did he come from? Where did he learn? And, you know, besides the fact what he's saying is so not the scriptures. But what happens, you're in a weak moment, you go searching around, and, and don't, don't think this won't happen to you. You heap up for yourself a teacher to scratch your, your own ear. How, I mean, I, with technology, you could find anybody that agrees with you, find anybody that will, will build that up in you, and you will leave those men, leave those women that teach the solid truth, and you walk away, and you backslide. If you're truly intent on turning your back on God, whether, whatever state you are, you can turn your back on God. Read Revelation in the first couple chapters again. Why is Jesus so strong in his word toward churches? Why, wasn't seven, why weren't the seven letters in Revelation? Man, great church, great church, great church. You guys are awesome. Great, great. I'm so glad to be the center of your church. But he's saying, if you, well, to the church, he says, if you don't get right, I'm going to remove the lampstand. That's how you say you have a word. You, have a, you say you have a name that you're alive and you're dead to a church. Which, remember, he didn't say it's not like to a building in a room. He said it to people. Those letters were intended for people that were in a church setting. I do believe God teaches that we're secure, but be careful. Be careful. Notice it says these people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They'll say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. We have a word for that. It's called legalism. They'll start to replace the simplicity of following Jesus with rules that were required to be kept in order to stay right with God. And he mentions two of them in their cultural time. They forbid to be married. They, they say that in order to serve God the best, you cannot, you need to take a vow of celibacy and you can never get married. That's a false demonic doctrine. It is not from God. It was warned about in the first century. Before organized religion came, before Romanism came, before Roman Catholicism came in the third and fourth century, it was warned against that there'll be people that forbid to marry. It's demonic. It's not from the Lord. Forbidding and commanding behaviors contrary to the word of God. It sounds today like if you do this, you'll be saved. If you don't do this, you won't be saved. And here it's the forbidding of marriage and eating certain foods. And today there's certain groups that exist uh, that do the same thing. Groups that say marriage is not of the Lord or in order to get married, your mate has to be approved by the leadership. Or in some churches they say, you can't get married to anyone that you've chosen. We'll choose your spouse for you. And this doctrine of 
of discipleship and, and authority. Churches are still doing that today. The United, not the, yeah, maybe the United Church of Christ or the Church of Christ that associates with the name of the city. So I think they're still here in Denver, the Church of Christ, the Denver Church of Christ. They're the, one part of the Church of Christ uh, does not hold to this doctrine. Um, there is a general Church of Christ, but the Church of Christ that associates the name of the city that they're in, it started in Boston with the Boston Church of Christ and then outgrows from there that they, they are very authoritative and authoritarian in their, in their oversight of the church. And they tell you who you can marry and who you can't marry. And he says, listen, this is contrary to what God taught. In verse 3 it says, but God created these things. He created food to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. And since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. Except Brussels sprouts. That was, that was not created by God. That was created by sin. Adam and Eve did some experiment in the garden. And poof! But bacon? Created by God. For sure. Notice, he says, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a worthy servant. If, if you're taking notes or you like to write in your Bible, circle that. Because it's not just a responsibility for Timothy. It's our responsibility. Timothy, be a man of the word and explain these things to people. Explain them. Instruct the brethren. Nourish them in the word. It says in verse uh, 6, one who is nourished by the message of faith. This goes so well with our teachings as we've been studying the shepherd because the shepherd's intent is to nourish us, to feed us, to make sure we have the right nutrients and all that our, all that our spiritual body needs to thrive. And Paul's exhorting Timothy to stay the course. Don't go off to the left or to the right. I was talking with a brother recently who uh, one of the men that was serving with him uh, left the faith. And we're still puzzled. I just talked to him again this week. We're still puzzled on exactly what's happening because he's not communicating right now. Somebody was very close, right-hand man, serving alongside of him. But now he doesn't believe in God anymore. And it was very abrupt and very challenging. And the brother that I was speaking to is very challenged by it. And we don't know exactly what's happening, what, what's, what he's wrestling with. But the calling for that young man, the calling for Timothy, is not to follow and be stumbled to follow him. Not to, no, Timothy, you continue to teach the truth. You continue. The calling of God in a pastor's life is to equip the saints and to teach them the word and to encourage and exhort. We don't have counseling here. We provide biblical discipleship. And if you ever sit down with someone here, pastor, pastor's wife, leader, uh, lay leader, they're going to open the Bible to you. And they're going to obey this. Explain these things to the brothers and sisters. And that, that is what is worthy. You are a worthy servant when you tell people the word of God, that you are nourished and then you are nourishing others. The pastor isn't to take everything into his own hands. He's not to control every minute detail of the church. He's not to be stumbled when people fall away. The pastor's ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And then to deploy the saints. And then to rejoice of the work of God that we all get to do. Where does that come from? How are we equipped? And how are we strengthened? By being nourished in the word of God. And God equips us. And he encourages us. And he strengthens us. 
And for those of you already involved in some form of ministry, which is all believers, whether you're at the workplace or in the home or in the church, take care of yourself. Make sure that you take care of yourself. Jump to verse 16 and we'll wind down here. What are we learning? Wickedness is going to increase. Demonic doctrines. Lies replacing the truth. What is good is called evil. Evil called good. You're going to see that in the last days. So here, here's a word from God for all of us. Notice 1 Timothy 4:16. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Take care of yourself personally. In the New King James, take heed to yourself. Or I like this. Keep a close watch on how you live. Pay attention to how you live. Because, you know, being involved in ministry, being involved in, in serving others, you pay a lot of attention to how other people live. Because you have to. They come to you with problems and difficulties and you're keeping a watch on other people. And, and, and please continue to do that. But don't do that before you keep a watch on yourself. And how you live. And on what you're teaching. Because we're all called to some sort of ministry. And we're all called to serve others in Jesus' name. Take care of your personal life. And make sure you're being nourished and fed in the word. Treat your life, you know, not like a frozen dinner. But like a well-made, homemade, prepared dinner. Like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Although I wonder if we'll ever see another buffet again. After all of this. There's word they're closing them down. Every, I, I don't, but you can still remember how it's just all you can eat, the word of God. Just taking it all in. Just letting the Holy Spirit minister to you. And those who once committed to the faith, those that were hanging out with God, those that were serving in the church, in this church, will fall away. They'll change. There will be people that their commitments change, that their attitudes change. There'll be people that were sitting right next to you that you never see again and you don't know what happened to them. There'll be people getting mad at the church and getting mad at God. There'll be people that have, I was thinking of it this way, Marie and I were talking about this recently there. For as, as believers, we have one cause. You realize that, right? There's one cause, the cause of Christ. That's it. There's not two, there's not five, there's not ten. It's the cause of Christ where he is the center of our life and everything comes out from him. We're to deny ourselves, we're to pay the price taking up our cross and we're to follow him. It's the cause of Christ. But in our culture, in our democracy, there always seems to be another cause to take people's eyes off the Lord. And so that that cause, I mean, I watch it over and over and over again. I watch in other people's lives and then I want to be warned myself because I can get fired up about things, but I see it. I see it time and time again where they get caught up in some cause. It's a worthy cause. It's a great cause. But they begin to spend all of their time, energy, and attention in the cause. And I think, you know, what would it be like if they spend all that time, energy, effort, money, time, commitment in the cause of Christ. And here's the rub. They'll tell you it's for the cause of Christ because they're fully convinced it is. But it's somewhere along the way, and I'm sure it's how it started, somewhere along the way it flipped. And now, like for example, the uh, studying the Bible, we're being nourished. You know, some people make studying the Bible and theology more important than the God that they're studying. 
And so now they're just super smart in theology, but they actually don't look like God. They don't act like God at all because they're super smart in theology. So every conversation is intended for you, for them to share with you that you're just dumb because you don't know as much as they do. That's not the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ is washing people's feet, serving them. It's not letting people know how smart you are. I think in our study in Daniel, our study in Daniel has been so rich and so powerful and it's so prophetic. I love prophecy. It's the heritage handed down to me. However, there are people that have made prophecy more important than their worship of God. And that's all they want to talk about. You know, a, the, the Bible's filled with prophecy, so we don't want to avoid it. But the Bible's filled with a lot of other things. We don't want to avoid those either. And so now a doctrine just becomes so much more important. I, I think of some of the political causes, as noble as they are. The political causes now become, and the protests and the boycotts. And now all you all hear is they're just talking about the boycotts and talking about government. And it's like, well, what, what have you done for the Lord lately? Who have you shared the gospel with? Who have you loved? Who have you baked a pie for? Who, have you checked in on your name? Like what? Why are you, to, what, what? Because I'll tell you, it's easier. It's easier to live for secondary causes and say they're from the Lord. But see, God, he wants to speak and lead. And he may give you a passion for prophecy. That's great. And he may give you a passion to be in politics. That's great. And he may give you a passion to be a deep theologian and write commentaries. That's great. But there's only one cause, and that's the cause of Christ. Everything must be put in second, third, fourth to the cause of Christ. And there are those that will walk away for a variety of different reasons. They'll just leave. They'll leave their homes. They'll leave their commitments. They'll leave their first love. I remember the first time I learned here in this church years and years ago. I, I really had never experienced the, this people leaving or, or maybe in the church I came from, I didn't pay much attention to it because I was only involved in a, salt, you know, in a segment of the church. So I didn't understand these things. So when I came here and began to pastor and just teach and, and there was a small group gathering, I remember somebody just stopped coming and I didn't know how to get a hold of them. Nobody really knew. They just stopped coming. And then we lost touch with them for a long time. And finally, I found out like later on that they, the reason they left the church is because they first left their wife and left their kids and moved to another state to go move in with another gal. And of course, if you leave your wife and you leave your kids and you go move to another state to move in with another gal, you're going to leave the faith because you already have. And so as you watch this, just know it happens and it's going to happen more and more in the last days. And as much as I say this with confidence, I know it's very difficult. Like, don't take it personal, even though you will take it personal. <laughs> it's like, don't take it personal. It's like, well, what, what could I have done? Probably not much. The Bible predicts it. In the last days, you're going to see this. And I, I'm certain that there are those listening to me that can get that some of the what I described, you can actually put names to. Because there are people in your life that just turn their back on the Lord. And they made it a church thing. And they made it a pastor thing. And they made it a Bible version thing. And they made it all kinds of things, but it actually isn't that at all. They just refuse to deny themselves and to take up their cross and follow them. Instead of following Jesus, they're following themselves. And in the days and closer to the return of the Lord, it's going to happen more and more. 
Well, we've been in the book of Daniel today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end... This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We've made it possible to donate online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into Daniel tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.